Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining us today, NCAA record holder, former American record holder, and most recently, overall World Cup champion. Today, we're sitting down with Wisconsin Badger, Bita Nelson. What's up, Bita? Hey, Coleman. Glad to be here. I have to bring this up. You just told me you just got engaged right after winning the World Cup. I mean, how crazy has this week been for you? Um, It's been pretty surreal. I uh, was still processing everything that had gone on from the last couple of weeks at dinner with my parents and my then boyfriend and um, got surprised with an engagement. So it was quite the weekend. It's going to be hard to top that. But um, yeah, lots to process for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just where are you in that process? I mean, how are you feeling about your swimming? <laughs> have, congrats on the engagement. But how are you feeling about your swimming <laughs> right now coming off of the World Cup that you've had? Yeah. I mean, um, I went into the World Cup circuit with very like literally no expectations, um, little to none, at least, um, all I wanted to do was just get some racing opportunity in, in the fall, I'd gotten used to it with the ISL format and really enjoyed it. I think it set up my season and broke up my season pretty nicely. So, um, when I found out about the world cups being three stops and two in North America and getting over to get, get over to Europe, I thought would be fun. Um, and a great opportunity for me, obviously it's short course meters, which I love. So, um, I'm super happy with the swims. We didn't change a whole lot, um, leading into the Berlin stop. As far as training goes, um, I didn't stop lifting. I kept my training as normal. We were really just working back into some like general aerobic, normal schedule of training coming off the summer. So, um, you know, I had dual in the pool up until August, so I didn't really have much of a break. I just kind of transitioned into what a normal fall would look like for me. So, um, I didn't know how I would feel physically or how I'd perform, but I thought it'd be fun regardless. So um, my performances in Berlin were much better than I was expecting um, based on just how I was feeling physically leading into that meet. Um, I also didn't adjust to the time zone over there. So um, I think a lot of the Americans struggled with that as well. We were getting like two to three hours of sleep a night and then um, rocking a good nap in the middle of the day to try and get it through finals. So um, it was a fast, um, fast turnaround from travel to competition, but, um, you know, it was great. And then I wanted to, from there, just try and get better each stop. So, um, I had a couple days between each meet to kind of just reset, um, and fine tune some things and then just try and execute race plans just a little better as I went through. So, um, obviously with the format, how it goes, um, it's kind of similar, like how ISL you'd have meets in succession with little breaks. And, um, it's kind of hard to keep your training volume up in between those meets. Um, it's basically just maintaining fitness and then fine tuning as you move through. Don't mind that. That's my cat's food dispenser. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I did exactly what I set out to do. I got better at each stop time wise, but also like race execution wise. So, 
Um, I think that was great. And I obviously can't be disappointed with some best times, um, you know, especially not really expecting that to come along with it. So um, with the race fatigue, I think I did a great job considering. So. And you didn't even talk about the payday, which (laughs) I'll get to in a minute. Um, But you mentioned that you don't have a ton of time at these uh, meets in succession to get training volume up. Um, I'm curious if you have kind of a progression you normally go through, you know, if you have three days in between, if you have four days, five days, do you have kind of a cycle of types of practices you go through as you move through the rest days? Yeah, I definitely think I've gotten a little bit of practice these last couple of years at getting used to having just those short periods of time. So we've kind of found a formula that works for me. Um, I'm, I'm not used to necessarily like cross the world traveling and then having a couple of days. So that was a little bit of a different thing for us to tackle when I came back from Germany, especially just cause it's like, uh, a long travel day. And then the big time change, um, was also something for us to keep in mind when I came back. Um, so most of the athletes who did all three stops, um, went directly from one to the next. I actually came home between each stop. Um, some people were like, oh, that's an interesting choice. And I was like, yeah, this is my first time doing this. And I didn't know, um, that that's normally how they work. And obviously that's like a rookie move on my part. (laughs) Um, but I actually feel like it gave me some time to like get back in my environments, meet with my coaches, kind of like evaluate what just happened, make a plan for what's next. Um, it obviously added a little travel for me, but, um, Usually I, I, when I come off of a long travel, I will, I had a night flight coming back from Berlin. So the next day I did like a longer aerobic session. Um, I got in the weight room if I could stay on my schedule, just cause we were trying to keep our training as close to what it would sort of be like, even though I'm not doing the same, um, like progression as far as a week follows in my training. But, um, weights is something that like, if you can stay in the weight room in any capacity, it'll help you in the long run. Um, and obviously our big goals are much further in the future. So, um, that was good for me, but I, I think it's a balance between making sure you're not, um, adding to that fatigue that's starting to accumulate as you race. Um, but also trying to keep as normal as possible as you can, as you move through that, that time. So, Um, I think both times I had like two days before I would travel again to the next stop. And I did like an aerobic day and then a more like power, um, mixed with a little bit of pace mixed with a little bit of like getting the body kind of moving again. And then I'd get to the meet and I would do like an extended meet warm up of some sort or like meet warm up with a little more volume, a little heftier of, um, what that looks like. And then hit some like uh, you know, 37 and a half or a 50 or a couple fifties to like get the system up and moving. And then the next day I would race. So, um, that's just like a general outlook of kind of how we approached it. It kind of depended obviously on how I was feeling. And, um, I worked really well with my coaches, um, to kind of play it by year, but have a general plan as to what we were going to do to kind of attack those couple of days. But seemed to work pretty well. It, it, I, I held on there for the three weeks, you know, it's, it starts to, you start to feel it in the body for sure. I definitely felt the fatigue in Toronto and then again in Indy. Um, but 
I swam really well and got better, even though I might have been feeling a little more fatigued. So I think our plan worked pretty, pretty well. Did I don't know how far it is from Madison. Did you fly to Indy or did you drive? I drove. Um, okay. Yeah, I it's about five hours from Madison. Um, and, you know, us Midwesterners, we would drive <laughs> anywhere to avoid flying, um, you know, like 10 hours or under. We're like, nice. That's a good road trip. Um <laughs> So for me, when I came back from Berlin, I came back here. I probably in the future would have just gone to Toronto just to make the transition a little bit easier as far as like time zones and avoiding another flight and um, another travel. But I came back here and then I flew from Chicago. Um, So I drove to Chicago and then flew from Chicago to Toronto. And the flight to Toronto is very easy. But the like driving back and forth out of O'Hare versus coming to Madison, because there aren't a lot of like direct flights out of Madison. It's a much smaller airport. Um, And then came back here after Toronto and then drove to Indy. so it's not a short drive. I took the path through Chicago, got stuck in traffic, which is a little frustrating. But um, I gave myself like a couple of days. Like I got there, I think on a Tuesday, the meet started on a Thursday or like something like that. So I had like a day and a half, two days before the meet started to kind of like get into things and swim out that that travel. Um, but I much prefer a drive to a fly. That's just me, though. <laughs> well, and I also feel like uh, especially like you said, I don't know, does Madison even fly to Indy or would you have to go through Chicago? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not a direct flight. So the <laughs> time it would have taken me to fly to Indy would have been longer than the time it would have taken me to drive to Indy because I would have to connect somewhere. And obviously there'd be like layovers and both flights were like very short, but um, they were not direct. And if I can avoid a connection, cause there's always like the chance that something gets delayed or um, travel has just been crazy these like this last year, especially um, last couple of years with COVID also. Um, if I'm not going to fly a direct flight, unless it's international and necessary, I just try and avoid that. <laughs> I am 100% with you there. It's just, it's just not worth it. Um, and things go wrong all the time, right? I was, I had a direct flight from Austin to Indy on Saturday, I was supposed yeah. to be there the last day of the world cup. And like, I guess there was 50 or 60 mile an hour winds and it got delayed four hours and missed the meet. Oh, no. <laughs> Dang. I'm sorry you couldn't be here. That stinks. <laughs> I was looking forward to it. I wanted to be there when yeah. you got your crown. Uh, but you know, say la vie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so going to Andy, um, you drive there. Right. And then, uh, did you have, can you talk a little bit about the financial piece, I guess, going into the series, was that on your mind at all? You know, obviously we've seen people go to world cups just for racing experience and we've seen people go to world cups to try to make their living for the year. Right. How, where was, where were you on that spectrum heading into Um, the series? Yeah, I think, uh, go coming into the series as a whole, I was hoping to make some money. Um, didn't know what, what that would look like. And I didn't want that to be at the forefront of my mind. So I think what was driving was really just racing experience, um, and hoping that that would result in some money in the end. So, um, obviously having success at both Berlin and Toronto, uh, I knew that there was bigger money on the line. Um, but I wasn't paying attention to like points necessarily. I know that there was definitely athletes who were like 
keeping track, like what the power index points were like and how many points am I going to need to beat this person? And on the men's side, there was like a really, really close battle up until literally the last event in Indy decided who was going to win the overall points. And those guys were paying attention to that um, all the way up until the end. So um, I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't paying attention, you know, like it was on social media. It was, um, I saw, uh, that I was like leading points, but I also knew that, you know, uh, things can change very quickly and you never know. So all I needed to do was just put my best effort into my races. And hopefully that would result in, um, the most points as possible, but, um, truly I could not control what anyone else was doing. And I think that as you get, as I've gotten into the sport, I've learned that like, all I can control is what I'm um, doing and my effort. And um, so that's what I was trying to focus on. Um, I obviously was excited that I had the possibility to win like $100,000 plus at these meets. Um, that is a like a year's worth of money and really helps somebody in my position who, um, you know, that's that allows me to be comfortable enough to be able to do this for the next couple of years. And so um, it means a lot that, um, meets like the world cups offer that type of prize money, um, because it really helps me out. Um, but you know, it's not all about the money and I would do this regardless because I love it. And I know that it's something I'm working towards. If I didn't have that amount of money to help support me, I've been doing it without it in the meantime. So like, it's just awesome to know that there's a format that's short course meters and um, provides that type of prize money for somebody like me um, to make a living and be able to be a professional athlete. So it's definitely the cherry on top. It was not the driving force, but I am not going to complain about it. And I was very aware of it. So um, I'm I'm surprised. I was very surprised that it ended up the way that it did. I think going into it, I had an idea of who probably would um, be in contention for the overall world cup title. Um, I felt like if I had great performances throughout, I could be in a position to maybe challenge for that. But, um, the way that I ended up, it didn't, wouldn't have predicted it that way. So I'm very, very happy with the result for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and just like you said, moving forward, that might fund you for a year. It might fund you for two years. How does that change? I know that doesn't pro probably doesn't change how you're approaching your swimming, but yeah. how does that affect your day to day of, of just being able to be a professional swimmer, knowing that, you know, I, I don't know, 12, 18, 24 months is pretty much funded from the way you performed at this world cup yeah. series. Um, it's huge. Um, it's, uh, it's not easy to be a professional athlete, um, especially in an Olympic sport where, we're not guaranteed a salary and our performance is usually indicative of the amount of money that we uh, get as far as support goes um, from like all facets, whether it's a, a federation funding or FINA giving out prize money. Um, so dependent on how you perform is how comfortable you are while trying to pursue your dreams and your goals. Um, so uh, it helps, <laughs> you know, like I don't have to worry so much about like, uh, groceries, rent, those like basic things to, uh, feel comfortable in my lifestyle, which I am very happy about. Um, I was doing fine without the money I just made, but it will make 
those stresses become less of a stress, which also makes it much easier for me to feel confident and comfortable going to the pool every day and pursuing what I'm trying to pursue. So um, it doesn't really change a whole lot as far as like what I'm going to be doing or how I'm living. It just <laughs> much more maintainable and creates a lot less stress in that department for me. So, um, it's all good things. <laughs> it's, it's definitely help going to help me out. So, um, yeah, I think when you don't have to stress as much about the day-to-day bills and, and like being able to afford what you, what would make your life easier as a professional athlete, that takes a lot of stress away. So, um, definitely would be helpful. Yeah. And so then backing up a little bit, um, just being able to perform at, at these meets consistently, uh, what goes into that for you? Because obviously, um, through the NCAA system, I think everyone kind of learns year by year how to, how to perform at a higher level. Um, and then as a professional, that's kind of the deal, right? Is that you want to be able to perform at a really high level consistently, you know, whether it's Olympic trials or ISL or world cup or pro swims. Um, and so how did you, how have you learned over the past few years as a professional to get the best out of yourself in any given situation? And then also how did you move through the series and kind of what did you pick up along the three meet stops? Um, especially when you're trying to race your best, when you're trying to get this experience and you have in the back of your head, there could be financial incentives, especially in indie big ones. Yeah. Um, it's a lot to kind of process, um, while experiencing it, but I think what really helped me be as successful as I was these last couple of weeks was trying to live as much as I could in every moment I was in. I think what really helped me um, and what doesn't exist a lot at the professional level is like a community within the sport other than just like, hey, those are my friends. I'm at a swim meet, but everyone's kind of like moving through their process on their own. And the thing I liked about ISL a lot was it reminded me a lot of college swimming, but for professionals, like we got to be a part of something much bigger than ourselves. And we got to share these personal experience while also trying to be competitive and be our best. Um, and I think the world cups are a little bit different, obviously, because everyone's representing their own federations, but the group that went from Berlin to Toronto to Indy became like really good friends. And I think it was really special and really easy to step up behind the blocks when like, you know, the people around you support your success and, um, it sometimes like not over their own, but like they kind of forget like, Oh, I swam and it went fine. But like this person did really well. And like, I'm going to go give them my love and support. And I really felt that during this circuit. Um, and I knew a lot of the people I raced against and a lot of the guys that were on the other side, like from ISL, but I got to meet a lot of people and get to know them on a more personal level. And, um, the meets are a little bit smaller. So you're racing against the same people, but have a little bit less pressure almost than like being at a world championships or being at an Olympics where like, you know, someone and you love them and you're, they're your friends, but like I'm at the Olympic games or I'm at world championships. And like, this is my goal. And the world cup is almost this like really cool blend between something like maybe a pro series and something like a world championships where like, there's this high level of competition and, um, 
racing going on while there's also this like relaxed and fun environment mixed with that without such high pressure and expectation almost. Um, and I love that. Uh, and I think that made it really easy for me to like get up and uh, enjoy it because I was like actually having a lot of fun with the environment that was being presented. Um, but I think there's also like this monotonous, a little bit, um, schedule and like program that you follow when you're doing back-to-back racing like that prelims finals over and over for a period of weeks. Um, and not in a bad way. I mean, monotonous, just like there's a system to what you do that know that, you know, helps your body recover and be prepared to be the best it can. Um, regardless of how much racing your body has, um, on its belt, like, I know what recovery modalities work for me. I know what fuels me the best. I know how much sleep I need to get. I know like all of the things in my process, my warm up, warm down, how important that is, regardless of how much time I spend at the pool, like each stop, I would, regardless if I was the last athlete in the pool, I was making sure I was doing my process to the fullest extent. Even if like I was exhausted and wanted to go and needed to travel the next day, I knew that if I went through the the process that I know it works for me, I'm going to be pre- as best prepared as I can for the next stop. Because after one was over, it's not done, right? Like you swim a meet usually and you're like, nice, it's the last day. No one cools down and you're like, Woo! it's not like that. Um, <laughs> you have to be prepared in three days to do this all over again. So um, I took my warm up, warm down process very seriously and my recovery very seriously. Um, I prioritized that over like literally everything else because I knew to keep my body healthy and prepared to race and compete and be at its best. That's what I have to prioritize. So um, I definitely socialized and enjoyed the process because I was doing it with some of my best friends, which was incredible. Um, But I definitely made sure to put at the forefront Um, making sure I was prepared. And I have learned over the last couple of years what really works for me. And obviously that's still like a work in progress as I get older. And as I like move through different meets, I will also probably, you know, tweak that as it, as I go. But I think I've, I've kind of found like what works and um, making sure that regardless of like how I feel or what's going on, I'm putting that as like the most important thing. Um, had definitely really helped me the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Was there a swim at any of the stops that stood out to you? That maybe not even the best, but just one that you were like, I really nailed it or this went really well, or this is wild. And this is why. Yeah. Um, I would say that the 200 IMs were probably my favorite swims of all the stops. Um, I, was up against really high level competition, people whose best times are much faster than mine leading into the meets. Um, and it was the last event on the last day after having right. swum into their backstroke. And so it was like a very challenging mental task for me at every single stop. Um, in Berlin, I definitely debated scratching um, because I was really tired. <laughs> And I felt like maybe I needed to like be able to just focus on one race and really execute it well. Um, and I felt really comfortable with my two back, but I was like, no, I'm going to challenge myself. This is an opportunity for me to um, replace a second place swim in that hundred I am with potentially a first. And I want to give myself that chance. So um, the points were definitely a little bit of a motivator with me deciding to do that double on all three stops, just because 
Um, if I did not win both the hundreds on those first two days, I was like, I have to do both because this is a potential for me to, um, you know, have more cumulative points at each stop and cumulative points at the overall, which is what we're trying to do here. So, um, those were really impressive because I was very fatigued at the end of each stop. Um, and having done that two back and just taking care of business. And like each time I went to each meet, I got better, um, was not what I was expecting. Um, I knew that the 2am in Berlin was going to be really tough for me because I wasn't getting proper recovery um, because I wasn't sleeping well. And that was definitely adding up on my body like as I went through the meet. But I also expected at Indy, um, having it be that last day after three weeks of racing, that I was going to really struggle on that last day. And I actually did much better than I was anticipating. Um, I was a little disappointed I didn't get 159 in the tax. So I was like, dang it. Okay, on to the next. Now I'm just going to like go for it in this 2IM. And I don't know. It's an event that I, I swam in college, obviously. 2IM, I got very comfortable with it. I really enjoy it. I think it's um really fun event. The 100IM is a little, a little more like chicken with your head cut off type of energy. Like, um, before you can even think about what's happening in one stroke, you're doing the next one. And the 2IM is that, but like a little bit more expanded. Like you can get a little bit more comfortable. There can be a little bit more um, like thought process happening while you're swimming because the 100IM for me is just like, oh my gosh, it's over. Like you hit one bad turn. Oh gosh, like that's it. <laughs> and it reminds me a lot more of like a 50 than a hundred in a way, because um, it's so specific on like details and executing things so well um, to be at a high level in that event. And I do like it, but um, the 2IM was fun because it was a challenge for me mentally, but also physically. And I think I did a great job at conquering that. And so, um, as I move forward, that gives me a lot of confidence that, um, I can finish it. You know, even when I'm tired, I, I always think about this a lot, talk about this with my coaches on a regular basis, but like practicing being good and executing and, um, getting up and racing and having the right attitude when you don't feel great is actually the best form of practice. Um, because when you race and it feels good, like that's easy, but when you race and it doesn't feel good and you're tired and in your mind, you're like battling yourself, like, can I do this? Do I have the energy? Like, how am I going to approach this race? Um, those are the most, like the biggest growth opportunities, I think, especially in the position that I'm in now. Uh, I think a big thing for me is growing confidence and, um, knowing that like, regardless of how I feel, regardless of who's next to me, I can stand up and compete with the best. And that's what I'm trying to do as I move forward. So that was big for me for sure. Did you triple crown and the two back and the two I am? I did. Yes. <laughs> two, two hundreds on the last day of each meet and you won all of them. That's, that's go, go beta. Thank you. That's yeah. Awesome. It was a decision to, to, do, to do them both at all three stops, obviously. So. <laughs> Seriously. That's also just brutal when you go day 100, day 200, day three, two 200s. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, quite the shift. But you know, I was kind of <laughs> used to that. Weirdly enough, with like the NCAA format, it's not two two hundreds on the last day, but like you have to get up and perform a really good two hundred back on the last day of like a really long meet after a lot of racing. So I've been prepared for that, having done like been through the college system, um, and also these last couple of years, as I have like I have a lot of events I can swim at long meets, um, which is great, um, but there's a piece of that, that as I like move forward, we're going to try and focus that down a little because I've gotten also a lot of practice at doing doubles at like five to six to seven day long meets. And that also kind of, um, creates that type of, um, preparedness when you do it, like as you move forward, because you just like so comfortable racing multiple two hundreds or multiple hundreds or a 50 and a 200 and like for multiple days in a row all of racing that exists in that environment is different than maybe at a tier pro series or um at a college dual meet or i mean obviously ncaa's and international team trials and trials are obviously like also very high level racing but um it's definitely different you're like all right here we go <laughs> um and i have had some I had some great fun with the people I was racing against like in Indy Sydney Pickram was next to me and obviously we had a great battle in Toronto and that 2am all the way down to the finish and I knew that she was also going to challenge me and there was a great field of other ladies um around us to push us as well um but we joked kind of like to each other before we started racing like here we go here's the last one let's go <laughs> Um, which I think is kind of cool, like that we can be each other's competitors and push one another, but like also recognize that we're both doing something really challenging. We're going to push each other. So like, you know, that always helps get the job done for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, let's, I want to transition from short course to long course a little bit. Yep. Uh, you brought it up earlier, but dual in the pool, you yep. swam at it. Uh, lots of racing there. How how did you process that meet? What was your analysis of of that meet, which was a super fun format, at least for the viewers at home? Yeah, I think it was a really cool meet. Uh, my first time being on a senior level international trip with Team USA was Duel in the Pool. So that was uh, a big milestone for me. Obviously, having missed the national team for a couple of years now by like literally one spot in a couple of events has been disappointing. So one, to make the national team and also be extended that opportunity was great. Um, I was sick eating into nationals and wasn't where I wanted to be. So um, I just saw it as a great opportunity with, um, you know, not low expectations, but like little pressure because of the way that the meet was formatted. So like, I knew I was going to be racing, um, awesome competition, but like, I think we were all kind of in the same boat. Like, eh, it doesn't really matter how we swim. We're just doing this for like the sole purpose of like racing and trying to beat team Australia not like, Oh, Bita Nelson's trying to perform really well on her hundred fly. It's we as Team USA are trying to work together to piece together a great meet to win as a whole. So, like, I really liked that piece of it. Um, yeah, I had a great summer last summer. I was leading into nationals feeling really great. I was, like, just off best times at, like, a random meet in Wisconsin a few weeks before nationals. Then got sick, was out of the water for a while. And um, just couldn't quite get my fitness where I wanted it to be at nationals. Still had some pretty good swims, but... Um, I don't know. It was just like a kind of a weird end to the summer. So duel in the pool was like a great way to kind of, um, tie it, tie a little bow 
of last year. Um, I was a little disappointed. Obviously I didn't make worlds, just missed it like at world team trials. So um, it was fun to travel with team USA. It was a great group. It was a much smaller group. I think normally than an international trip, um, kind of like a hodgepodge of everybody, some college kids, some older kids, um, some vets, some more newbies to the national team. Um, so it was like a fun trip. Australia was awesome. It's really long travel to get there. Um, but we were there like a week before and then team Australia was like super chill. There was definitely some like rivalry vibes going on. Um, but I know a lot of those guys from ISL and got to know them a lot better because it's literally just two teams on that massive pool deck at the Sydney Olympic park, like all, all kind of like, okay, here we go. We're doing like a mystery. I am or like, okay, we're doing three fifties, but we might do four, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> it was definitely, um, Definitely a lot of fun. I had a I had a, a good time with um Team USA on that trip. And I think that they should continue to do that meet moving forward. I think it's a really fun opportunity for two of the best swimming federations in the world to compete against each other in a fun and exciting, but also like competitive environment without it being like full of pressure. So um I think we were all expecting it to be short course. I think a lot of us were a little bit surprised they did it in long course, um, which was fine. That was still very fun. Um, but I think it's it'll be cool if they like kind of alternate doing short course and long course and continue to do that meet. Um, they did a great job with the production. Um, and like the weird rules were a little like, I know what some of us are used to like weird rules with ISL and like trying to follow like the points and the stealing of points and um, all of that uh, before. But I think dual was like a cool uh, way to incorporate some of those like weird twists and rules without it being too confusing for like the viewership. Um, at least I can't speak for that because I wasn't a viewer, but like maybe I should get your input. Was it like easy to follow the like flags and like the rules while you were watching? Yeah. So it was really fun to watch. And the, um, I loved, I agree with you that the rules they implemented and the kind of like the, the wacky rules that they decided to go with, I think were great. And like the, the teams were using them at good points and you could tell that this was everyone's first time using this set of rules. So everyone was kind of learning, but it was also very obvious that the TV crew, it was their first time using these (laughs) rules because the score, like the running score graphic on the, on the broadcast was like not correct at least half the time um and that was like the biggest my biggest complaint which like again there's a lot of wacky rules it's everyone's first time doing this it's like it's not like a big thing but you know like it was incorrect and so that's like oh no um but other than that i think yeah as a viewer very fan friendly and very fun to watch um especially because they had you know, the distance events were like broken and then everything else yeah. was shorter. And so it just made it much easier and funner to engage with. Yeah. Yeah. More engaging for sure. I know those long distance events sometimes are hard to like format into a more like exciting experience. Um, But I think they did a good job at kind of like mixing it up. I know the distance kids did not enjoy the format in which they had to swim their events. <laughs> but, in which they had uh, to sprint long yes. distance events. Yes. Um, yeah. But, you know, they made the most of it. And it, I think from our perspective, like on the pool deck, it was like a very cool 
way to run a meet. And I was hoping that it kind of translated that way to like the spectator. So it's good to hear that at least the meet format was like exciting. Yeah. Um, so I guess using that as a bit of a springboard, you know, moving forward, you're, you're done with the short course season, I guess, unless you have some other meters meet that we don't know about, but you know, moving forward, what is the focus now and, um, how will you transition to what I'm assuming is more of a long course, uh, focus? Yeah. Um, I don't have any more short course meets. I wish I did. (laughs) Um, I, I am now like pretty firmly transitioning to some long course. I am more than likely going to go to the U S open in a couple of weeks just to like see where I'm at. Um, I, some people like are going to take a little time off after that world cup circuit, which is understandably, you know, I totally get that. Um, I took like a day and I kind of just wanted to get back into things. Um, I just feel like I'm in a good rhythm here. Like I have some momentum going. I feel like I have a lot of confidence and I feel like I'm really fit and I want to maintain that. So, um, yeah, the plan is just to start, uh, transitioning some of my training specifically to the events I'm going to focus on long course. I think my focus short course meters and long course meters are a little bit different, Um, not that I won't be swimming a lot of the same events, but, um, there are some events that I think I'm going to be focusing on a little bit more long course than I did in the short pool. Um, so my training will not change a whole lot, but, um, I will be putting a lot of my, my, like, uh, quality, uh, efforts more based in when we have long course training. Um, we do mostly all of our mornings long course and then, all of our afternoons, short course yards. And then I think Saturdays for us are short course yards as well. So I'm just working with my coaches to like figure out a schedule as far as training sessions go um, and trying to get some long course focus as we move forward. So that's kind of the plan. Um, I will definitely be hitting a couple of the pro series as we move forward into next year. Um definitely going to Westmont. I had so much fun at the pro series last year there. I'm so excited. They're bringing it back. Um, and then just depending on schedule and, um, like where in the season it falls and where my coaches think it's best for me to get up and get racing, I'll hit a couple more pro series probably. And then obviously international team trials are in June. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the, the plan moving forward. Um, I, I, there's a couple of barriers in short course meters. I really want to get to, Um, but I am not done with short course meters. There will be more world cups. There will be more opportunities for me in the future as I continue swimming to be able to achieve those things. It's just like, Oh, I'm right there. Like, dang it. (laughs) Um, but we do have to transition to long course. That is the focus. Our goals, um, meeting me and my coaches that I am, this is like a partnership and we're working on these things together. Um, my goals, but along with them, cause they're helping me achieve those goals, um, are in the long pool. And I think I've done a lot of what I, I've set out to accomplish in the short pool. And I will continue to do that because I love it. And it's a great opportunity for racing, but the things I want to do that I have not done yet, um, require me to put a lot of focus on long course training. So that's what we're doing looking forward. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.